Hey, Pond family, welcome back to another episode of the Pond Leaders Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to the show. This is episode 80. I'm honored that you're here. I'm honored that you're listening. And thank you for motivating to keep giving you guys resources and value to grow your pawn business. On this episode, I have the president and CEO of La Familia Pawn, David Ash, who runs 36 stores. So if it's somebody who knows something about pawn, it's somebody who's running 36 locations. Um, we talk about leadership. We talk about marketing. We talk about strategy. We talk about how he got into the pawn industry and why he loves it so much. But before we get to the show, of course, I want to mention our sponsor, Podium. And it's really funny because just the other day I was looking at a business, uh, not in the pawn industry, and looking at their review page. And there was like 22 reviews. Another one had like, you know, 18 reviews. And then I remember my clients who are using Podium we have like 400 reviews and 800 reviews and even 1,000 reviews. Now picture this. Picture your client going to Google, searching for best pawn shop in San Diego or best pawn shop in your city, and then you come up with 500 reviews and your nearest competitor has 70. Where do you think you're going to go? Exactly. So go to podium.com slash leaders to get a discount uh, on your subscription to Podium and talk with one of the guys there. They're awesome. And grow your reviews and grow the amount of traffic that you have coming to the store. Now, um, back to David Ash. David Ash will be at Pawn Expo this year. I'll be there this year uh, doing live podcasting. So if you're not going to Pawn Expo, you are missing out. They have some incredible speakers, uh, you know, from Captain Phillips, who's speaking. It's awesome. If, you, if you've seen the movie, he'll be there speaking. And a lot of pawnbrokers on panels. And David Ash is on a panel um, talking about, you know, his experience in the pawn industry. So check that out. And now back to the episode with David Ash, the president and CEO of La Familia Pawn. Hey, everyone. My name is Igal Adado, and this is the Pawn Leaders Podcast, a podcast to help you make more money, stress less, and live an epic life, all while working at the pawn shop. David, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for doing this. I know this is, uh, we, we met over email yesterday. Uh, we've met in person at, in 2017, but we never got to really have a conversation or really go deep. And you are the president and CEO of La Familia Pond, 36 stores, 14 in Florida, and 22 in Puerto Rico. Tell us how you got into the pond industry. Well, it's, uh, I'll, I'll try to make it short, but it's, I, I, I looked to get into the pawn industry. I was uh, about 10 years ago a partner in a private equity firm uh, that specializes in investing in, in, in growth companies. We were looking to get into the pawn business, and we were presented with a great investment opportunity uh, with a then a very new chain or growing or, you know, chain of pawn shops based out of Orlando, Florida, and also growing in Puerto Rico. And we saw that it was really interesting. We were looking for something with a Hispanic angle. And uh, we invested in La Familia Pawn and Jewelry, which is a Hispanic-focused chain of stores out of Central Florida. We have about 14 stores in Central Florida now. Way back then, we didn't have as many. And, uh, and, and in Puerto Rico, we are basically the, the largest and only a sort of organized chain of pawn shops uh, in Puerto Rico because none of the major uh, sort of national uh, chains operate out here. So after a while, 
from the investment side and the board of directors side, I decided to step in and run the company full time, which I've been doing for three and a half years. Nice. Awesome. And just so the listeners know, um, and I always ask the pawnbrokers this question, in Florida, what's the interest rate? And then in Puerto Rico, what's the interest rate? Yes. In Florida, the maximum interest rate you can charge is 25% on a 30-day loan. And in Puerto Rico, the maximum is 20%. Nice. Okay. And, and is there like a term in Puerto Rico? or Yes, it's 30 days as well. Oh, awesome. The Puerto, the Puerto Rican pawn law was modeled after the Florida pawn law. So it's very easy for us to, to deal with both. Nice. So you've been running the shops for three years um, and you came in as an investor and they basically said, hey, David, we want you to run the shops. How has that been so far for you being in the oh. industry and what have you taken from other industries that you've been in to create the success that you guys have today? Yeah, well, that's, that's a great question. And so first on a personal basis, this was always sort of our, our pet investment, the favorite one, because it's the most fun. Uh, there are so many moving parts to the pawn industry that it, there's, there's just not a slow week or slow day or even a slow hour without something going on somewhere in, in, in one of those parts. And that makes it very engaging, a lot of fun. It's very customer focused. And, and the second part of your question, which is, which is great, because as, as an investor, you always keep hearing people say that their industry is unique and different and not like, you know, not like anything else. And when you, when you do get a chance to step back and look at businesses from a sort of 50,000 foot level, you see that all businesses basically operate and follow sort of common laws of, let's call it business physics. You have to take great care of your customer. You have to have a very well-defined product and a well-defined message. You have to know exactly how you compete, where you compete, and you have to keep your eye on the ball. And, and the pawn business is no different. You have to keep your eye on a lot of balls, but it's, uh, it just, that's just what makes it more stimulating and, and fun when you get it right. Love that. So how many, how many staff do you guys have at the moment? We have 253 people working for us. Right, amazing. So I know that one of the biggest um, issues or things that we talk about on the podcast or in the coaching calls is people. So yes. how do you guys at La Familia keep a great culture running when you've got, you know, stores in Florida, stores in Puerto Rico? Um, what do you guys do to make your people happy and to find people to come work for La Familia? Yes. Well, you, from the, from the founding of the company, the company has always been very focused on being a great place to work. That starts, the first way you attract people is by offering them competitive compensation. Not just a good, if, if it's a store level employee, not just a good monthly or hourly salary, but good monthly targets and bonuses and ways to make some money. That's what motivates the kind of people we want to, to get in. Now, beyond that, uh, what a lot of people that come to work for us from other industries tell us uh, they sort of mirror what I already told you is that this is a lot more fun than working at the shoe store. Yeah. Uh, if, if, you're, if you're customer focused, if you, if you like to make decisions on your feet, if, if you like to go into a workplace where no day is like the prior one and you have to keep looking at things in different ways and making decisions really quickly, I don't know how many decisions a shoe store employee gets to make in a, in a day. They probably don't make as many decisions in a year than one of our employees gets to make in, in, in five days. So 
the key here is to look for people that fit a certain profile. You want to get people that love people, people that really enjoy that interaction and that are not afraid to make decisions quickly. And if you fit that bill, we're going to pay you well, you're going to have fun, you're going to be in an environment of, of just ever change. Uh, and uh, so, so that takes care of your, of your store level employees. Managers love us compared to other things. We, for example, we get a lot of people that worked at Rent-A-Center. And managers at Rent-A-Center work for an incredible amount of hours. They need, you know, they are, they have to work in the stores and then after the stores, they have to fill out a ton of paperwork or whatever it is they do. And it's usually seven days a week. And they like the fact that we, we don't work them to death. And, and that's also good because we allow people to have a, a work-life balance that, that I think they appreciate. We're yeah. not too big to be bureaucratic. Uh, we are, we're small enough to, to be approachable. Every single employee has my cell phone number and I've probably met every single one of them. I see them many times a year. So they know and they're stimulated to pick up the phone and call me if there's anything I can do for them. Mm. Uh, and you know, that's, that's how we keep that. We try to keep that magic going. And you mentioned something. You said, you know, we hire people who love people. A lot yes. of times they go to stores and I see employees and, and I call them the pawn pirates, right? They're the ones who are killing the culture, destroying the, the store ambiance or whatnot, because they just don't like people and they're grumpy. Yes. How do you, how do you test for that? How do you interview for that? How do you know that this person likes people when you're bringing people on staff? We've tried many different ways to test for that. And to a degree, some tests correlate better than others. At the end of the day, uh, training, will, will, training will tell us two things. First, not everybody goes through our training program successfully and emerges out the other side. So we have a deep training program. We have a lot of hands-on. We get to see them in action. Some people, not a lot, because we go through a good interviewing process and testing process, but some people won't make it through training. And that's okay. They weren't cut out to work with us. So we'll observe them carefully. If they're ready to go, we will, uh, we will put them in a, in a position where they, can, where they can work with people. If they're not ready, then we'll rotate them out uh, and, and probably stimulate them to go work in the shoe store. And I think that it's, it's great that you said that because a lot of people who are listening, they bring people on and they train them you know, at the front counter and then three months later, they're like, man, this, this, this person is not great, but they're afraid to let them go. What you're saying is you do a deep dive training, and if they don't make the cut during the training, they're out, and then you yes. just keep on doing the same thing. Is that correct? There's, yes, and there's, there's something I, I, I stress to my people, and anybody who's listening to this who knows me probably heard me say this, and it's not my phrase. I, I learned this from some professor in business school, but he said, fail fast, cheaply. And so don't be afraid to fail. Try a lot of different things, but do it quickly so it doesn't kill you, right? So, so the same thing with people. And, and by the way, we're not perfect. We, we, I think everybody who's in business makes the mistake of hanging on for too long to, to a relationship that isn't working right. And, and, and those, those types of things that when you finally make that move you needed to make, you go, oh gosh, why didn't I do this you know, weeks ago? But we try to instill in our in our group that if something isn't working and you've tried it or somebody isn't working and you've tried them fast, it's much cheaper and better to do it quickly than to just 
let it prolong. So let's talk about that. You, you brought up an awesome point. You said fail fast, cheaply, right? Um, what's been, we talked about what's been great about La Familia and the hiring and the leadership and, and the culture. You know, going to 36 stores, it's, it's, it's not easy. What are some mistakes that looking back, you know, now that you've been in the business for three years, you guys have been invested in it for a while, that you would want to share with the people listening that you guys made to look out for today? Hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. I, I think that, I mean, there's no real whoppers there. Uh, there's uh, perhaps the only mistakes one does make, and that sort of repeats what you already said, is sometimes you, you try to make it work with, with, with people in a position. Uh, however, if there's something to warn people about is promoting is not necessarily rewarding. And, and that's a mistake that, that, that is, that is, that is really important to make. Sometimes you, you, you have, let's say you have a great desk person, a great, you know, uh, sales and loan associate, uh, working the counter and they're wonderful. And they're the kind of person that'll just ne never say no to anything. And, and you love them. They love you. It's a great thing. And then you think, wow, you know, this person has been doing such a great job for such a good long time. It is time to make the manager. And if they're not the management type, if they're, if they're not analytical, if they're not leaders, like not every star player in a basketball team can be the coach. And, and sometimes we want to make them all the coach as a reward. What ends up happening, if they're not cut out for management, is they will hate it. You will hate what they're doing there. Their employees will hate them. And then there's no way back. You can't let you can't just put the genie back in the bottle and, and and move them back to where they were and pretend nothing happened. So ultimately they'll they'll end up leaving the company and you just lost one of your best salespeople. You just lost one of your best loan consultants. Uh, and, and it's and it's terrible. And that's a that's a mistake we try to to not make and that we've learned in the past. Uh, probably not cheaply or fast. But, <laughs> you know, that one took a little bit longer. Okay. <laughs> Now, so what's the um, what's the future for La Familia? I mean, are you guys going to keep growing, and where do you think the pawn industry is going? Yes, you know, because you guys came into a business when the gold. I'm guessing when the gold boom was kind of still happening. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If, if, if don't remind me. Uh, <laughs> the other day, I took a peek at the financial projections that were made in like 2010, and by now, of course, we'd be scrapping. I don't know how many millions and millions of dollars in gold just based on a linear projection of that. And in fact, we're scrapping probably 10% of that. And uh, so, so, so yeah, you know, where are we going? We have carved out a very nice niche for ourselves as a company that knows how to cater to the Hispanic market very well. And we, we know we're doing a great job when we continue to see double digit pawn loan balance growth in central Florida. Now, as you know, and as our listeners know, there, you know, the two states with the most pawn shops are Florida and Texas, Texas and Florida, that order. Uh, there's a lot of competition, and we sort of keep uh, taking business away from each other, and, uh, and, uh, and so it's a slow growth business. And we, for us to be able to have figured out how to continue to grow double digit every year in pawn loan balances, uh, encourages us uh, to know that we've, we've figured out 
how to, how to operate successfully, even in the face of a lot of competition. And, and so in our cards is to continue to grow, not only in Florida, as, as we're, we're now looking for places of high Hispanic growth, which is the whole state really, because Florida is a very high Hispanic growth state, but we're, we are looking at adding locations in Florida. And we're also starting to look at pockets of, of high Hispanic growth up and down the eastern seaboard of the United States in states that have uh, favorable pawn laws. So, so we're very happy with La Familia. Uh, we, are, we have some traction with our, with our business model, which is one of the things I worked on when I, when, I went, when I came on board, because we had a lot of stores, but every store operated like an independent store. We, we had, that depended on the manager and not on our way of doing business. So what, what I spent a lot of my time doing, and if you ask, by the way, any of our 250 odd employees what my favorite word is, I think they will all say, because it's been hammered into them, consistency. We're, uh, we're best friends now. That's what go. I always say every time. It's there all about go. consistency. You know, you, you can't walk into one store with a chain and get offered completely different terms than when you walk into the same chain's store two miles down the road. Uh, and just, just because they're thinking differently. You, you can't have a different customer experience. Uh, you have to have consistency in your practices. And we have really hammered that home and developed systems to reinforce the consistency here, uh, such as checklists. Uh, that'll, that'll be a word that probably brings nausea to, to, to a lot of our uh, employees. But, uh, but we, uh, we are really, really, really uh, driving consistency across the chain so that Whatever we do well in one store, we can learn how to bottle it and, and duplicate it and multiply it across the chain. And that, that has been perhaps our biggest gain in the last few years that we now feel so comfortable with being able to bottle our magic and take it and take it somewhere else. And that's great. Hey, Pawn family, a quick interruption to the podcast. Uh, about a week ago, I got a call from a pawnbroker who was about to go out of business. And I asked him, like, why didn't they call me before? And he just said, you know, I couldn't get my ego to do it. So I've decided to do pawn strategy calls. And they're free. They're complimentary to you. Just go to pawnstrategy.com so that we can talk on the phone and I can help you grow your business. And it doesn't mean that you're doing bad, but how to just increase business even though you're doing well. So go to pawnstrategy.com for a free consultation about your pawn business. It's awesome you say that because I feel like a lot of people in the pawn industry feel that in order to build a better culture, you need to be more relaxed, right? Mm -hmm. Not as many rules, not as many systems, not as many procedures. But for me, it's the opposite. The more procedures and systems there are, the safer the staff feels. They know what they're doing. They know when they're going to do it, how they're going to do it, why they're going to do it, and what the outcome needs to look like, which, yeah. which fits the word that you said, consistency. Yeah. You, could, you could have a lot of fun at work, uh, but you also need to know what the parameters are that are expected of you. And know that if you perform to those parameters, you will be rewarded. Uh, and if you don't, you will be trained. And uh, if you continue to not do it, then there's many other places where you can go do whatever it is you want to do, but it's certainly not at La Familia. And, and so, it, you know, I, I keep comparing our business to flying airplanes or to conducting surgery. 
there are there are ways to do it that are proven and tried and true. And if, if and, and and if if you follow those checklists, a pilot, very highly paid people, highly educated, highly trained, and yet every time you get on an airplane, they pull out a sheet of paper if you if you were to observe them, and they go, here's my you know, tax, pre-taxi checklist. Here's my checklist at the run-up. Here's my, you know, uh, cruise checklist. And, and it doesn't take away any of their merit to follow a set of tried and true things that are going to get the 200 people in the back home alive. Uh, like I said at the beginning, this is an incredibly complex business. You, you have many variables that are all interrelated. And if you start letting one of those go, you're going to see all the others slip eventually. Uh, so, so we changed the name of our financial metrics page, but we used to call it the blood test because in a way it is like the blood test. If your triglycerides, whatever your triglycerides are up, <laughs> that means your cholesterol is probably going to suffer. And that means this and that, you know, if, if one of your, one or more of your metrics start going to hell, you're probably going to go downhill fast in, in health, and that's why they do all those. You know, they have, so you've got a three or four page blood test uh, when, when yeah. you go, and, and, and that's that's real important to to keep your eye on the ball. And uh, and it, it, if it helps to be supported by by practices and, and checklists, uh, then so be it. Then we can we can be better and more successful. And I think that you, you mentioned something. You said keep your eye on the ball. Um, a lot of people in the industry don't know their metrics. They're not keeping their eye on the ball. They're just, you know, how much money's coming in and that's all that matters. Obviously, from, from the background that you have from business school, from the investment fund, from knowing that this is a good investment, you guys didn't just put your money in and said, okay, as long as the pawn loans are happening and interest is coming in, we're happy. To yeah. grow to 36 stores, you have to consistently look at metrics, consistently look at numbers and different uh, areas of what's happening to make sure that this is still a viable option that you guys are making money. Is that correct? That is absolutely correct. There are things we look at daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, and annually that we correlate to the success of our business. And, and it's, it's funny, if you, if you become, in this business, if you focus entirely on loans and not, and not on retail, you're going to have one business, but not necessarily a complete business. Likewise, I see a lot of independent guys focusing a lot on retail and not enough on their loan balance. Yeah. And, and then you become sort of a retailer at, at crappy gross profits that, you know, because we, we, don't, we don't get the 40 or the 50 or the 60% gross profits that some retailers can, can get. We, we're, we operate in a 30% range. And, and so, and especially if you, and then you have to keep buying stuff to resell in your store, you become a dollar store. But at the end of the day, we, we say everything lives, you know, the, the root of our business is the pawn loan book. Yeah. But it's not necessarily our entire business because we, we have retail and it's a beautiful thing. So keeping that fine balance, keeping all those, all those health metrics in, in order, in order to be able to successfully grow and operate is important. You, you cannot fall in love with your inventory. We keep hammering that home. Amen. Uh, you know, you, 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 see, you see some other people carrying stuff in their stores for over a year or more. Sometimes they don't know how much inventory they have. And I just tell everybody, picture a stack of $100 bills in the back. And that's what that is. 
It's not lawnmowers and bicycles and guitars and drum sets. Uh, it's $100 bills all stacked in the back that you could access. I see that's $100 bills and then every month you take the $100 bill and you cut a piece of it off. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It's easy money. They're getting, they're getting eaten by moths. Exactly. Yeah. The rats are coming through and, and the cockroaches. You need to fish them out while you still can. Yeah. So, so that's, that's important. And it's, it's a beautiful thing is also there's not one way to do it. And, and we're constantly learning and evolving our model. And that's, that's one of the things I love about, about sort of our affiliation with the NPA and getting to meet a lot of my fellow pawnbrokers and 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 it's fascinating and and humbling to meet people that have been in business for decades or even our second or third generation pawnbrokers and there's so much that i've been able to learn from them uh i might i might pick up on something they're doing that i probably wouldn't do but there are five other things they're doing that i find fascinating and then i i take i take little notes and i come back to our team and i go hey we should look at this so i've been i've been blown away by a lot of the fellow pawnbrokers I've met, uh, thanks to the NPA, and it's uh, it's been a great learning experience. And talking about the NPA, you have an amazing story. But first of all, you're speaking this year at the Pawn Expo, yes, uh, in Vegas, and I'll be there doing live podcasts and and having a great time. I agree. I think going to the NPA show, to the national show, you get people from from you know different countries, different states, and you learn so much. Um, you have an interesting story that you actually won. Uh, like uh, through a free NPA uh, membership. And yes. then when they called you, um, they realized that you are a multi-store operator. But right. You- I, was, I was excited. I, it was my first NPA. Our, our company was not a member. And uh, so when I, after I went in full time, I said, well, let me go check this thing out. You know, it's, uh, let's see what it's, what it's all about. So I went to Vegas and uh, I was walking around and I put my card in a bowl and I heard my name being called. This is the first time I ever won anything, by the way. So, <laughs> and and maybe, maybe it was, uh, maybe it was uh, Destiny or, or maybe Dana or Helen or somebody just uh, were very strategic. I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, so I won it. Anyway, I, I, I show up there and I said, free NPA membership. It's a great thing because, you know, with a bunch of stores, you do the math. It's a, it's a, it's a. <laughs> It's a hell of an investment. I said, I love it. I'm, we're in. We're, we're members. And they said, well, it's only one store. <laughs> and I said, oh, crap. Uh, really? And they said, okay, so good, good. We'll, we'll just, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll sign up one store. Sign us up. And I said, well, no, the rules say that if you're a multi-store operator, you need to sign up all of your stores. And so that, that took a lot of thinking. And thankfully, I'd been to the, to the, to the conference. And more, perhaps, I mean, there's there's some great there's some great uh, there's some great content at at the show, but more than than the content, to me the the really valuable part was meeting the other fellow pawnbrokers. Just these discussions you have these 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 just you grab a bite with somebody or you you just meet them in the hallway, and you start talking, and you develop a friendship, and you can also benchmark. You said, do you guys do this? Well, how do you do that? And, and you learn so much just from that, you know, that, that, that it's, it's well worth the money. Also, you asked me where, where the industry is going. I think, I think we we're sort of lulled in this industry into a false sense of complacency. It's almost like the lobster story where they put the lobster in the water while it's cold. And then as they heat it up, the lobster never realizes he's getting cooked. 
Uh, I don't think we're getting caught. Yeah. But I think if, if, if we look at the industry as a whole for the last 20 years, I don't think it's grown that much. There are other industries that do the same thing we're doing, which is solving people's money problems that have grown Explode. in leaps bounds over yeah. the last 20 years. Take payday lending, for example. Take yeah. auto title lending. Take some of the internet lending uh, things. And as an industry, we really need to understand how we fit into that ecosystem, why all these payday lenders have been eating our lunch, and realize that our real competitor is not the pawnbroker across the street from us or, or, or you know, 1,000 yards down the road. It is the payday lender that's out there loaning money to people, sometimes at even higher interest rates, uh, with, with, with horrible consequences when you don't pay. Because when you don't pay pawn loan, hey, you, you know, so you lost your watch, you got some money for it, nothing bad happens to you. You're not, you know, your credit isn't dinged, you're not gonna be the subject of aggressive collection practices. You know, it's, it's, it's all right. You can even come back the same day and get another loan. Uh, we, we don't care. So as an industry, we really need to, to understand how, we're, how we fit there, how, we're, how, how, do, how are we attracting younger people? Our average loan, a customer is 40 years old. Uh, so what's happening to all the 20 year olds? Where are they getting money uh, when they need it? And, and so alone, we can't do this. We need to get together yeah. and define the route of pawnbroking in the next 20 years. Yeah. And, uh, and also something that the NPA does very well, defend ourselves against the possibility of encroaching regulation. Uh, there's a lot of people, especially people who've never been in a pawn shop or don't understand what we do or have, don't know our customer, that think that what we do is, is a terrible thing. Oh, you loan money at what? I mean, in California, it's not a terrible thing because you get, what, what, what is it, over the 4%? 4%, oh, I'm crying here. That's why there's, there's three pawnbrokers and you know, that's why <laughs> Sam Shockett's got all the, all the business over there. But, uh, but, uh, but you know, when, when, when somebody, it, up in you know some state representative says, "Hey, these people are lending at twenty five percent per month oh can't can't have that. They just don't understand what we do. they don't understand the service we provide, and as an industry, we really need to get together and defend ourselves and the way to defend ourselves is not by by sort of sticking our head in the ground and pretending that if we don't make any noise, they might not notice we're there yeah. Uh, yeah. so so that's you know that's why being a, an NPA member to us is so valuable. Yeah, I agree. So I'm, I'm super excited to first see you speak. Um, at Pawn Expo, Captain Phillips is speaking. Captain yes. Phillips from the movie, which is going to be amazing. I love the movie. Um, I've seen him speak on videos, and, and he's great. Uh, such an inspiring story. Um, and also, like you said, just getting together with other pawnbrokers. My brother and I, we were, we were members you know, every year. Um, and it paid 10 times the value just sitting at lunch with somebody, sitting at dinner with somebody and getting one idea. For sure. And if you're thinking about this, listening to this podcast, and some people say like, oh, the NPA, listen, it's time to lead. That's what I always say. Come out to the NPA show, go to pawnexpo.com, register. Coming out with us in Vegas, I'll be there, David will be there. Um, there's yes. incredible speakers, incredible vendors. Support your industry and learn. If you want to learn, if you want to make more money, if you want to learn how to lead your stores, this is how you do it. You know, you're listening to this podcast, but you're also going in person to the national organization and finding out what's going on nationally. Oh, yeah. 
yeah, there's. Uh, I can't wait to see Sally Morrison, for example. She's going to be talking about the the whole uh, lab-grown diamonds uh, yeah. thing, and, uh, and I, I think she's an executive at De Beers, and yeah. uh, and so she should know that better than anybody. And that's that's something I'm looking forward to learning about about what's going on with with lab-grown diamonds and where they fit, and what what should we be doing about them. Yeah, we've got. Uh, um, I'll quickly jump in. We've got women in pawn: Lyndon Miller, Gina Barkin, Beth Anundi. Three incredible female pawnbrokers who are going to talk about um, how to expand the customer base and attract more females. You've got the uh, the building your digital community panel with Seth Gold, Lauren Kaminsky, and, and Daniel Yankee, who who you know these guys are are online influencers. Oh, yeah. they're, they're going to talk about you know how to grow your influence online. Just so much to learn. Oh, technology yeah. and uh, so much going on at the at the NP at the Pawn Expo. I think you have, yeah, you have the panels, you have the speakers, you have the show, which has a bunch of new, new uh, exhibitors this year. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to get there because it's, uh, it's, uh, it's almost like a, a homecoming. Yeah. And, uh, and you get to get together and, uh, and understand what the different issues that are facing us are and seeing how we could approach them together as an industry. Get, you know, we're, yes, we compete with each other, but beyond that, it is all in our benefit to keep the industry growing. And, yeah, and, uh, you, and you might just win a free NPA membership like David did. That's right. You could get uh, you could get roped in, and then once they get you, then it's very very tough to leave you. you That's, right. That's right, <laughs> David. This is uh, this has been amazing, brother. I really appreciate your time. Um, for those of you who have not signed up for Pawn Expo, go to pawnexpo.com, or you can go to the nationalpawnbrokers.org website. Um, if you're not part of the Pawn Leaders podcast community, go to Facebook, join the Pawn Leaders podcast community, um, where we've got uh, close to 600 pawnbrokers asking questions and talking about the pawn industry, leadership, marketing, and strategy. And I really hope to uh, to see you, David. I'm sure I'm going to see you there. And yeah. And, and uh, again, I appreciate you being on the show. Yes. Thank you very much, Yigal. And uh, great time. And I look forward to meeting anybody who's listening out there too and uh, shake their hand. Thanks, Pond family. Stay tuned for the next episode of the Pond Leaders Podcast.